0: Amen. Thanks, Patrick. Much appreciated. It's good to hear hear other voices pray. Well, uh, we're we're uh, coming back, of course, to Psalm 23 this morning, but we are um, we're coming to a, kind of the end of the first paragraph. If you, depending on how your Bible uh, breaks up the different um, paragraphs and lines, but if you read a couple of the translations, tend to kind of put a bit of a break in this part, and there's a bit of a transition in the, in the psalm, a bit of a transition, and this is a good time to have a transition because uh, next Sunday is going to be Palm Sunday, and of course the week after is Easter Sunday, and so we'll be putting a bit of a pause on, on our psalm series as we head into the Easter season, but I do believe that this, uh, as we talk about uh, being in the presence of the Lord today... Um, we celebrate Emmanuel, God with us, something we normally talk about at Christmas time, but it's actually, we celebrate it and we pinpoint it at Christmas time, but it, it actually is a reality for us 365 days of the year. That no matter what circumstance, regardless of what physical season it actually is, we believe that God is with us all the time. And that if God is with us all the time, and as we sang about it this morning, we know that God is good and he is faithful. And, and so that means that if God is with us all the time, that also means his goodness is with us all the time and his faithfulness is with us all the time. And so that is something that we can hold on to, whether we're at church or not, whether we're having a good day, a bad day, good week, bad week, great season, rough season, rough season whatever you find yourself in, we know and we can trust that every single day of our lives that one, God is with us and that God is good even when I'm not, even when the world's not and even when the world around me and those, or those around me are not. Uh, God is always faithful. He is someone that we can put our trust into every single day and every single moment. There is not a moment that goes by where God is not with us. And because he is God and I am not, he has the ability to be everywhere always. There was a few weeks ago, I I, uh, had three things booked at the same time overlapping on the same day. And I said, made the joke, I said, I'm going to try to be three places at once today. And how many know that that's not physically possible for me to do that? Obviously, it's not. And so I come before you today and say that God is not like Gary, but he can be in every place at any time. And so if you ever feel like you are far from God, it's not his fault, it's yours. And so I, I point the finger at all of us to go, okay, God, why do you seem so far away? Well, the only thing that separates us from God is our sin. And so if you want to know where God is, it's a simple little prayer and a humbling prayer. When we just say, God, whatever has come between us, I know you have the power to take away, the power to overcome. God, if I know what it is, I repent of it. If I don't know what it is, God, I'm going to pray the prayer that David prayed Lord, search my heart. Search everything within inside of me. And then I'm going to pray the other prayer once I know what it is and once I, I realize what sin has separated us and say, God, I want you to create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. And it really is that simple. It's a huge hurdle for some of us, but it really is that simple. When we truly, humbly come to God and say, God, search my heart. And when he shines his light and he finds the sin and the darkness that separates us from him, he has the ability to forgive us of our sins if we ask him to. And he has the ability to make us whole and make us clean again, to cleanse us from all the things that separate us from his presence and his love. And he has the ability to make us new again. And if you don't believe me, come to church on Easter Sunday and we're going to talk all about it. Now, David, of course, is who we've been talking about as he's been uh, the author of this psalm. And uh, we love, uh, I I really love the richness of this psalm. I mean, it's one of the most popular psalm, if not the most popular psalm ever written, ever, ever, uh, ever recited, memorized, you name it, in the church world. There is not a church that you cannot walk into that has not at least heard of Psalm 23. And so I I think of his presence, and this is all about being in God's presence through all these different circumstances of David celebrating and recognizing that God has been with him all the time. And I believe we're in his presence because he, our Savior, our God, has invited us to be in his presence He created us to be in his presence. If you go back to the very beginning of the Bible, the book of Genesis, God creates man and he creates woman so that man and woman would not be alone, but that they would be together and that they would be with God. He created us so that he would have someone to have fellowship and relationship with. Now, God doesn't need us, by the way. Um, God already had himself in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Those three have always existed and will continue to always exist. There's a fun theology lesson for you today. We can dive into it another time. All that to say is that God didn't need us, but God wanted us. God wants you. Look around the room, look at the person next to you, and even just mouth with your lips today and say it to the person next to you, God wants you. God wants to know you. And God wants you to know him. And even though there are moments in our lives where we have said, we don't want to know you, God, and we put up boundaries. We put, you know, it's it's like when the, uh, be careful here, but when the Jehovah Witness knock on your door and you text all your neighbors, they're here, don't answer the door. And you close the door because you don't want to have that conversation. Does anyone ever do that or get people knocking on your door? No one? None of it's just my house? I, you know, I, I, I fully believe in evangelism. You know, I, I fully believe in the power of invitation. And I think it takes a lot of courage for some of us to invite someone to church and to start a conversation about God. I understand that that can be hard to do for some of us. Some of you are really gifted and really able to do that. And we'll, we can help you on that journey. Some of you are just naturally gifted evangelists. I am not. I'm an actually gifted pastor, not an evangelist. Some of you are, though, and it comes easy. And I give you all the credit, but do you ever know, do you ever get yourself in a situation when you start talking about something and you begin to tell that they really don't want to hear what you have to say? Like it's time to change the conversation? Um, I don't know when that happens, by the way. I don't always pick up on some of those things. Um, But I do know from being on the other side, I know when I'm done with the conversation. Some of you might be done with this by now, and you're like, is there more coffee? Because I'm going to need it if Pastor Gary is starting to talk. There are moments where we just, we close the door, or we get ahead, and um, whatever, whatever it looks like in your life. We do the same thing to God, and we all know we've had these moments where we've kind of just, God, I want to do what I want to do, I want to go the direction that I want to go, and I'm just going to pretend for a little while that you don't exist. Like, I'm just going to go over here and pick my nose and pretend none of you can see me, even though there's a camera on me and all of you are staring at me because you're here to hear what the Lord is saying through his word. We sometimes think that we can hide and just do what we want to do and no one's going to know anything different. Just kidding, I didn't actually touch the inside of my nose. But you don't really know that, do you? Anyways, we pretend that God can't see us, but he's everywhere always. Now, I'm not standing here pointing the finger as you better be careful, Frank. God's watching you. That's not what I'm saying either better be careful, Corey. He's watching. That's not what I'm saying. It's not, that's not what he's doing. Instead, he's actually out there with his hand out like this going, I see which way you're going. Follow me. I've got a better way. He's not pointing the finger. He's saying, follow. Follow me because my ways are higher than your ways. I created you. I know what's best for you. And for those of us who don't know what's good for you or not good for you, get some people in your life that will help direct your steps. And uh, get to know the voice of the Lord, which we talked about a little bit in previous weeks. If you don't know how to get to the voice of the Lord, start talking to him. Start reading the words that he wrote to you. And you'll get to know the voice of the Lord. And you'll know which way to go. That was a little bit of last week's message for you. But God invites us into his presence. I think of Moses as he's running away from God. Um, he, he He first feels the call of God. And then he tries in his own strength to accomplish the mission of God. And then he fails. He realizes he's actually committed murder. And then he runs away. And then he runs away from his call of God. And then God comes to where Moses is. And he he starts a fire on the mountain and perks Moses' curiosity. And he goes, I want to go see what that fire is all about. And he, he comes up the mountain and he sees this bush that is burning but not being consumed by the fire. And all of a sudden, the burning bush starts talking to him. I don't know what kind of water was in that well of his father-in-law, but uh, it must have been pretty good or it must have been God. And so he has this amazing moment with God. He says, you're standing on holy ground, Moses. Take off your sandals. And he takes off his sandals. And he just takes this posture of reverence. He takes this posture of, of uh, being in the presence of God. And, and how many of us, you know, I, I think as we want to enter God's presence I think it's important for us, no matter how uncomfortable or how different it may be for us, just to take a posture of praise and a posture of worship. It doesn't matter if anyone's around or not. That's not the point. I mean, Sunday, we encouraged it this morning in our songs. Just take a posture of worship. Put your hands up. But As you want to experience the presence of God, it's not that there's anything magical about what our body does that invites God. But it is just an outward symbol, just saying, hey, God, here I am. I'm ready to receive from you. I'm going to take a posture of prayer. Maybe that's why we kneel. It's why we close our eyes when we pray. There's nothing magical about it, but it just it brings us our focus, our attention. And it puts it on God. It's, it, it's like when you are driving on the highway and you see the construction sign, the little man and the stop sign. And You get there, you say, Lord, I really hope it says slow when I get there. And, and if you don't see the sign, the man, he starts waving it so that you know that you need to stop or slow down for the construction zone. And if he wasn't there waving it, maybe, you'd, maybe you'd miss it. you wouldn't know what he wants you to do. There's nothing more confusing than a guy carrying the... I saw this as I was driving to Thunder Bay this week. The, he was so lazy, he put the, the, the stop sign in the snowbank and then was lighting his cigarette. And then the sign fell over, he picked it up and it said slow. And I didn't know if I was supposed to stop or if I was supposed to go. And then he's scrambling, trying to turn the sign the right way. And he's looking. it was actually kind of hilarious. And uh, we just kind of stopped and, and then he waved us through, but... We didn't know which way to go because he was giving us confusing signs. And all I have to say is sometimes we just need to take the the right posture. And again, it's not the posture that, that creates the environment, but I think it allows our mind to understand what our heart wants. God, I want to draw close to you, so I'm going to take a posture of praise. I'm going to stop what I'm doing. I'm going to put a pause in my week. I'm going to go to church this week. I'm going to take a posture of praise and of worship to be in your presence today. God, I want to hear your voice, so I'm going to open your word. I'm going to begin to read and let you speak. I'm going to sit in the silence and and just uh, take a moment of rest in your presence. And that's where we want to go today. We want to be able to rest in the presence of God because I believe that rest leads us to righteousness. Resting in the presence of God leads us to righteousness. And that's where we're going this morning. Moses saw a burning bush. He took a posture of praise. And, and uh, I believe that we, we too would take these postures of praise. I think the value of presence and showing up is enough to change the world. Um, I, I believe we get a spark lit inside of us every time we spend a moment with God. And just something comes alive inside of us. But as we, as we begin to be God's hands and feet, uh, not, only do the, not only do the sparks come together to create a great light, but it also, uh, our movement creates wind. And as you fan into flame, you just see the power of God and the presence of God explode and begin to move uh, a little bit more rapidly. I don't know if you've, ever, if you've ever been around a campfire, a little candle in a dark room. But the more candles you light in a dark room, the more light there is. Right, and You bring those candles together and you start a fire. And if you start fanning those flames and you start bringing a wind, those flames generally get bigger and those coals burn a little bit brighter. And and sometimes it leads to a forest fire, of course, which we don't want. But uh, I'm actually believing that as God sends us out from this place even today, as uh, his light begins to shine bright in front of you, as you begin to walk with the presence of God, when you show up to work tomorrow morning or tonight, whenever it is you go to work, um, I believe that as you take the right posture, saying, God, I know that your presence has gone with me. It's gone before me. And when I get to my workplace, God, your presence is going to be within me. And as I take on the posture of Jesus, of humility and of kindness and of love and of generosity, and I take on the fruit of the Spirit, I know it's going to become contagious. My presence and my moving through these steps is going to create a larger flame that's going to be contagious. Have you ever walked up to a grumpy person and just smiled at them? I do this to my kids all the time when they get upset and they get grumpy. And I, if I am like not in a grumpy mood or they're not grumpy because of me, I can just walk them and I can just smile and make a funny face. And they can't hold it anymore. They have to just smile. Now, I've met some pretty bitter people who don't return the smile. I They're not a lost cause, but it certainly feels like it sometimes. But time and time again, continually showing up, continually you know, not putting on a fake smile, but just being full of the joy of the Lord, even in your darkest, lowest valley. Uh, over time, those people begin to, to crack. The service begins to change, and, and uh, I have uh, had the pleasure of seeing that change in some people. Anyways, going off my notes here, let's go back uh, to the psalm today. I believe for David, as we, as we tie the presence of God and, and talk about it in Psalm 23, for David, it was God showing up in everyday life that made the difference for him. Um, as, we, as we transition to Palm Sunday and as we come back after Easter, we're going to talk about the valley of the shadow of death. Um, this is the place that maybe you've felt like you've been there before, maybe you've never been there before, and maybe you will kind of walk through this valley. But some of us have walked through some pretty crazy deep storms before. And David knows what it was like to walk through the valley. And we're going to share some examples in a couple weeks' time about that. But as we, as we focus on this, he is confident because he knows that God has been with him through the tough times. Uh, he knows, and, and maybe not at the time he wrote this psalm, but he, he experiences through his life that not only is God with him uh, when outside circumstances are affecting him, but he learns through his own sin against God that even in that moment, as he repents, that God is still with him. And so we, we want to know that God is with us. He is Emmanuel every single day. And of course, I mentioned, it's our sin that separates us. And Jesus made a way that we get to know God and be fully known in his presence. Love you guys. Have fun. All right. So... Let's read Psalm 23 this morning. If you've never read it before, you haven't been to church in a while. Or if you haven't heard it before, rather. So this is what it says. Does anyone else want to read this morning? Anyone at all? I'll give you my Bible. I won't make eye contact. You can just stand up and read. How does that sound? Actually, I'm going to make eye contact, but it means nothing. All right, I'll read it. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely the goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will be in the house of the Lord forever. As I said, I believe resting in the presence of God puts us on the right path. Now many times, many times writers in the Bible will use physical objects to explain who God is, and some of the characteristics of him. And so, for example, when you go to Proverbs 18.10, it says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and it is safe. Um, Have you ever done a road trip before? Uh, Imagine you have a destination in mind. You're driving, and you're driving, and your eyes start to get a little bit more heavy and a little heavier, and they start to get tired, and you start that really slow blink. Don't do that if you're driving, by the way. What happens if you don't pull the car over and take a break? What happens if you don't go to that place of safety? What happens when you don't pull into that rest stop? You end up off the road, the wrong lane. Bottom line is you end up in danger. Or I, I always like the, the option, you're so tired, you kind of get the tunnel vision, and you don't even see the signs anymore. You just stay between the lines and hope for the best. And you just keep going, and then you miss the exit and the turn that you're supposed to take. Has anyone ever done a road trip like that? At all. Be honest now. There you go. Thank you for your honesty. I knew that I knew that there had to be at least a couple. And so we have all know exactly what we're talking about. Um, practically speaking, um we realize that lack of sleep impairs our judgment. Uh, You can get charged for for drinking alcohol and driving. That's that's apparently illegal. Uh, You shouldn't do that. But you can also be charged with impaired driving if they find that you're too tired to actually drive. And so I also recommend you don't do that. Uh, And I don't know about you, but I've realized in my life that my greatest moments of weakness... Any moment where I'm choosing to ignore God and want to just do what I do because of what I feel like doing, because I'm tired, uh, those, those moments of weariness are usually my greatest moments of weakness. And those are usually the moments I pray something to the effect of, oh God, do something, not because I'm praying now, but in spite of me, because I know you want to do something good. And it's, those are the prayers that we tend to want to avoid. Pray, God, do something great in spite of my lack of preparation because this is about to go off the rails. As a leader, we we try to avoid those kind of prayers as pastors, uh, just for the record. But even while some of our best plans of preparation don't always go as planned or the way we expected them to, we can still walk away with confidence when we are rested, when we know full well the voice of the Lord. Um, We can still walk away, no matter how it goes, we can walk away with confidence knowing we walked in obedience. We did as the Lord told us to do because we first heard his voice and we followed with a sound mind. I walk away with confidence and victory because I know from my time spent with the Father in the presence of God that I made the right decision, even if it didn't go the way I expected it to. And sometimes we don't know why, and years later we still don't know why, and sometimes we find out the reason, and it's amazing. And I'll talk stories about that another day. Uh, we know that David went to go slay Goliath, uh, but before he did that, he went away on his own. He went to a river to pick up some some stones, some smooth stones, and I can only imagine the conversation that David is having in this moment of rest before he fights a giant, this moment of prayer and this moment in the presence of God that he spends, building up confidence, hearing the voice of the Lord saying, David, I have I've taught you and prepared you for this moment. You have slayed lions, you have killed bears, you've been a protector of your sheep. David, this is your moment. I can only imagine what those moments would have been like for David. Because he spent the hours of rest with the father, he knew very clearly his destiny and the right path before him. He knew that he was anointed to be king and that this Goliath, this enemy of Israel, would not stand in his way. He knew because he had spent time with the Father, he knew that he had all the right stuff. Not that he had the right stuff, but that God would give him the right stuff. God would give him the words to say, he would give him the actions to do, and what does he do? This little shepherd boy pulls out his slingshot and he starts spinning this rock around and he, one shot, hits the Goliath right between the eyes and the giant falls, and he's victorious. Last week, I briefly talked about astronauts who prepared uh, to you know, be the, uh, the first Americans in space and on the moon. And the documentary in, in, called The Real Right Stuff it reveals the training and the, the rigorous amounts of, uh, of, of training that the astronauts had to endure to be successful and victorious in their missions. It actually took, of course, many missteps and many failures before they got it right. I think the beautiful thing is that God gives us his Holy Spirit. And even though we may have failed in our past, maybe we have failed in our own strength, uh, when we have failed in our sins against God, he gives us power from heaven to do impossible things. Not only does he forgive us and help us overcome the sin in our life, he sets us on a new path forward. He brings transformation or change. He brings us a new way forward. And we can overcome the things That used to set us back. And not only do we overcome, but God actually gives us power from heaven to help others overcome in their sin and their illnesses as well. Jesus' instructions to his disciples before he ascended into heaven was to go to Jerusalem and wait. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm told to just sit down and wait for an appointment, or just go here and wait, I am not a good person to wait Like, I fidget. I got to do something. I was sitting in a meeting. There was some boring presenters. I was rather tired of waiting. Some of them were politicians, so they were even worse. Um, Some of them were just very boring, and this is how they talk for their presentation. The content was really good, but this is just how they talked the whole time, and it's really hard to listen to somebody when they talk like this for an extended period of time. And so... For the rest of the message, this is how I'd like to speak to you today. And I believe that as I talk like this, you'll understand that God loves you. His presence is real, and Psalm 23 is amazing. I know that I'm not the most entertaining communicator, but I can do a little bit better than that. But I do know that when I am told to go and wait, it drives me crazy. And so what do I do? I go to Disney World and I wait in line for hours to go on a four-minute ride. Who understands my life? It's weird. Why would you do that? But his disciples are given the instructions. His followers say, go to Jerusalem and wait, because I am sending you the helper. And so you see in the book of Acts in the New Testament, we see them, they go and they wait. And they don't just sit around playing Xbox or PlayStation or scroll Facebook, not because they didn't have it, they weren't reading, you know, scrolls and books and stuff. No, they, they waited with purpose. In the time that Jesus told them to go and wait, I mean, sure, they had to go get food, they had to cook the food, they had to eat the food, all of those kinds of things. They had to, to do the things that they had to do, but they didn't go anywhere. They waited, and they waited, and in their waiting, they were praying, they were seeking, they took postures of worship, they took postures of prayer, and they waited on the Lord, Because he said he would show up. And so they waited and they waited. And then Acts 2, we see that God showed up. And the power of the Holy Spirit came upon them in a very tangible, visible, amazing way. And you can read about that in the book of Acts. And I'll leave the rest of us up to you if you don't already know. It's very exciting stuff. We're going to talk about it uh, 50 days from Easter. And uh, it'll be at a great time together. But his instructions were to go Wait. Sometimes, I said, you know, God is always there. But sometimes God, I believe, is quiet. Um, I am an external processor, which means I think outside of my head. My wife is an internal processor. She thinks inside of her head. And so I like to work things out, of course, by talking and saying a million things. And out of everything that I say, there's something good to pick up on, and there's the way forward. Whereas like, she just comes across as extremely smart because she thinks about everything in her head, and then she just makes the decision, and no one knows anything. She just looks at her and goes, well, you're brilliant. Well, I'm brilliant too, but you had to hear all the bad stuff first before I got there. Um, she's still smarter than me, I know. It's not the point. And so when I talk, though, I expect an answer. But I'll say something to her and she'll go, mm hmm, and she'll sit there and think about it. I'm like, no, I need, you to, I need you to give me some feedback so I can continue to process outside of my head. And we sit there back and forth. And she sits there in silence and I just keep talking. It makes for really good arguments because I'm a debater. I want to fight. And she sits there thinking about it and she doesn't fight back and it just diffuses the situation. And, uh, and that's, that's that. Anyways, don't talk about how I fight with my wife. I don't think you want to hear about that. But sometimes we disagree, and disagreement's okay. Because at the end of the day, we still love each other, and we're still committed to one another, and we get through it. Some days, and be, yeah, anyways, and a story. You know, If you want to know the stories, we'll have you. Have us over dinner. We'll tell you those ones. How does that sound? Then she can give her side of the story as well. Anyways. Let's write them on the internet. Right, on the, internet anyway. not, the internet doesn't scare me that much. But the point is this, is sometimes that God seems silent, and we speak out to him, and just like I wait for that response, and there's nothing, God, where are you? Well, he's right there. But sometimes it's, it's, it's an exercise of trust. All right, maybe you can't hear me, but are you going to continue on your journey? I think of Abraham. I should have started with this one. So I talked about the disciples, they had to wait like 100 days for the five weeks or whatever for the spirit to come after Jesus told him to wait. I think of Abraham. Abraham, he's called and the Lord says to Abraham, hey, I'm gonna make you a great father of many nations. Your descendants are gonna scatter the stars in the sky and the sand on the beach. And I want you to leave your father's home and I want you to go to this land. So Abraham follows in obedience, and he doesn't hear from God for another 40 years. How many are here over the age of 40? (laughs) How many are almost? No, sorry. We have someone in the room who's almost there. We're going to celebrate with them and cheer them on. For 40 years, he didn't hear God. He just followed in obedience. I think I, I'm the kind of person that will second guess myself. I'll second guess what God said. I'll question it. Did God really say that or did He not? Am I really doing the right thing? I don't feel like that's the right thing, but we, we were very sure of it before. And we just we have to walk in obedience even when we don't hear the voice of God, just like you know Abraham did for 40 days. I believe that resting in God's presence puts us on the path of righteousness. I believe resting in God's presence is what gives us victory, right? In those moments of silence where, God, I can't hear your voice right now, but I know that this is what you told me and I know that this is the direction I need to go, so I'm just gonna keep walking step and step and step until you reveal yourself and say something different, God, I'm gonna keep following this path until you give me a sign, until you speak, until something jumps out of your word in a different way, or I know that I've accomplished all that you've accomplished, and then I'm still gonna take a posture of waiting for what my next step is. And in those steps, in the busyness of following, in the busyness of obedience, we're going to take time and we're going to rest in the green pastures, in the refreshing water that the Lord has provided for you. We're going to create those opportunities because rest leads us to victory. We're going to rest in the presence of God. We're going to meditate on his word and his presence is going to assure us of the victory. I'm going to read an excerpt that was written in 1931 that uh, was published by the BBC originally. And it says uh, to the effect that we can pray and reflect on Psalm 23 as David did. This is what it says. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalm 23 in this state. He leads us to green pastures and still waters. There we can receive nourishment and our soul can be restored and strengthened. In this stillness, God can continue his work with us by instructing us in his ways. He teaches us how we should conduct ourselves in all of life's circumstances. Filled with rest and spiritual power, we are now led onward by God in paths of righteousness. During this sojourn, he becomes our shepherd and we become his sheep. We become totally dependent on him. He protects us, he guides us, he leads our steps throughout our life. We increasingly abandon ourselves to him as we learn to know him as someone who cares for us. Then we will also experience that in our rest increases to the same extent. We do not need to fear the outcome of any of our works because we have abandoned ourselves into his hand. And we know that he will, we will reap when the time has come. Only a person who lives a life of constant victory is in perfect rest. We can only rest once we have the victory. When we have put to death and destroyed those things that have had power over us, then we can gradually enter into rest from anger, jealousy, envy, and the lure to rule over others. And all the things that disturb our contact with God in our spirit. This is indeed a blessed rest. But we can only obtain it one way, the way Christ went, the way Paul and all the saints down through the years have gone, the way of self-denial, the way of the cross. There's a lot in there. That last uh, paragraph to me is, is incredibly powerful. And, and this last little point here. When we have put to death those things that have power over us. Let's just pause here. We're in this moment of rest. We're all sitting. We've had our coffee. We've had his moment of worship. Maybe just take a minute, close your eyes for a second so that we just focus in on God here for a moment. When we've put to death the things that have power over us, just pause and say, God, would you search my heart in this moment? Even if you're at home and you're online right now. No one's looking around the room. And just say, Holy Spirit, our Heavenly Father, Jesus, our Messiah, would you search my heart? Would you search my mind? Would you look into my life and would you reveal to me anything that has power over me? Whether it's anger, whether it's jealousy, whether it's lust, whether it's envy, all of these things that disturb and distract us. All of these things that would put up barriers from us following in obedience from where God wants us to go. I believe it's these moments of rest. The reason they lead us to victory is they, they help us keep our focus on God and the way that he wants us to live. When we rest in his presence, he gives us the power to overcome our past. He gives us power to overcome these things of lust, of jealousy, of anger. He gives us the ability to overcome the things that we ourselves do not have the strength to overcome. I don't know if if you've ever driven with Google in your car or have a GPS and you take the wrong turn or you miss the exit and you hear that annoying voice redirecting, redirecting, redirecting. Sometimes, Google, I don't want to go that way. I know a better way. Now, it's Google, so sometimes Google's wrong and I'm right. But if you've invited the Lord to be a part of your life, and if you've allowed God to to speak to you, and you've had these moments of rest, you know that he'll have that little voice inside of your heart, inside of your mind, inside of your ear going, redirect, Gary. Redirect, Gary. Redirect, Gary. Redirect, Gary. It never gets that loud. I tune it out. God doesn't usually get that loud because He's given you the, the, the freedom to choose, right? He's given you the ability to choose the right path. He says, Gary, I can help you overcome this distraction. I can help you. Maybe you're feeling lazy right now in your flesh, Gary. I can give you the strength to overcome. I can give you out of the rest that you need, I can give you the strength to overcome. If you're tired and tired of driving and your eyes are getting heavy, pull over and rest. Take a nap. When life gets rough, when sin continues to have power over your life, put a pause. Take a moment of rest in the presence of God and just repent. Rest in God and he'll move you in the right path. If you're tired of going the same way, going nowhere, fast, whatever you want to put in there. If you're tired of doing the same thing time and time again and say, God, I'm not getting anywhere. I want to follow you. This, this is your moment to just rest and put, a, put, on, put on the brakes. Rest in the presence of God and he'll lead you to victory. And what is, of course, what does sin look like? It's anything that separates us from God. Anything that does not reflect God, loving God, or loving our neighbors around us. You can open your eyes if they're still closed this morning. Hopefully the Lord has helped you a little bit in this moment. If you ever want a metric, as we close today, if you ever want a metric to know, God, am I on the right path? Am I saying the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? And, and you spent the time in prayer, you spent the time in the Word, you spent the time waiting in silence, and, and you're still unsure. There's, there's a couple metrics that we can look at and say, God, how do I know I'm doing the right thing, saying the right thing, moving the right direction? And one of the first questions that you can answer is, is this bringing glory to God? Are my actions, are my, my footsteps, and this is the big one, are my thoughts showing love towards God? And if the answer is no, then you know what you have to do. You have to hit the brakes, hit pause, rest in the presence of God, and say, okay, God, redirect my thoughts, my steps. Renew my mind. Read it in, in Romans 12. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God, make me new again. I'm, I'm your child. Renew my heart, renew my soul, renew the way that I think. Maybe you've gone through that metric and okay, yeah, I'm going the right path. What I'm doing, what I'm saying, what I'm thinking is honoring to God. Okay, what's the second metric? Well, he says the greatest commandment of the Bible is to love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, soul, strength. And then he says, equally as important, love your neighbor as yourself. So what does that mean for us? The second metric we want to judge our walk with the Lord is how do I love the person beside me? Not just with my actions, not with just my words, but here's the tough one. This is the hard one for all of us. Am I honoring them, loving them, even in my thoughts? Are the things that I think about them honoring God and honoring them? And if you don't know who your neighbor is, it's not the person who lives next door to you, but go ahead and read the story of the Good Samaritan, because Jesus answers this question to the Pharisees when they try to trick him, and they say, well, Jesus, you said to love your neighbor as yourself, just who exactly is our neighbor? Here's your homework this week. Read the story of the Good Samaritan and come back next week and tell me who is your neighbor. I'm not going to give you homework, because you can still read the story. The bottom line is, is that anybody you come in contact with becomes your neighbor. No matter their circumstance, if if what you think and what you do does not reflect the love and transformation of God, if it doesn't reflect who Jesus is, that is the second metric we can know if we're on the right path. Now in those moments that we have of weakness, remember this, that the Lord is our stronghold. Uh, The book of Nahum, a really small little minor prophet. Here's what he says in chapter one, verse seven. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. When your mind starts to wander and you start to go down the same old path and you treat people the same old way or you look at God the same old way, take refuge in the Lord's presence. He knows the troubles and the battles in your mind. And he's given us the power to overcome through the work, of the work of Jesus and through the work of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Does this sound all right? Questions, comments? We can talk about it in the middle. Let's pray and uh, let's stand as we pray this morning. Let's change our posture today. God, as we are here together, together Lord, we, we, as we prayed before service, Lord, as a team of, of worship leaders and as leaders and pastors, God, we pray that your presence would be here, that Jesus, you would be here, and Lord, we recognize today that that prayer has been answered. God, as we read from your word, as we just know from reading of your word, God, that you are Emmanuel with us all the time. But God, I pray that we would take the right posture this week, the right posture even today to receive a word from you, O oh Lord that we'd be reminded, Lord, in our moments and our thoughts of not knowing what the next right step is, that we would turn to you first, that we would just hit pause and we'd just take a minute in your presence for clarity, for direction, for rest, so that we would be victorious in our walk of faith with you, O Lord. Spirit, in those moments where we are struggling to make the right decision, struggling to show love to you or to a neighbor, Lord, as we hear the voice of the enemy in our heads, as we hear the lies of the enemy in our heads, oh God, would your voice be louder and stronger before us? Lord, we know that you have overcome the world. Lord, you told us in this world we would have trouble, but you said, take heart. I have overcome the world. And God, because you have overcome sin, you have overcome death, Lord, we partner with you today. Help us, Lord, in our faith walk to do what is right, not in our eyes, but what is right in your eyes. Let us take refuge in your stronghold, refuge in your presence, O God. Lord, I think of of the words you gave to the children of Israel as they went into battle. You told them only to stand still and that you would fight for them. Lord, there's moments where we just need to be still in your presence and let you fight the battles for us. God, I pray for every person in the room today, every person that has joined in the service online and those who will listen to it later. God, wherever we are in time or however we're feeling, oh God, whatever emotions we're going through, Lord, I do I pray a blessing over each one here. Lord, I pray that we would find strength in your kingdom, strength in your presence, oh God, that you would continue to give us joy as we experience victory over death and over darkness. God, I praise you for each person here now. In your name I pray, amen.